0: Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of TRIO, and welcome to Pep Talks with TRIO. TRIO is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition from starting a family to retiring and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with TRIO, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Natalie Flynn. Nat is the founder and CEO of Equity, a platform that helps companies understand and close their gender pay gaps. We're going to be discussing gender equity and what organizations can and should be doing to close the gender pay gap, particularly in light of the new legislation. Nat, welcome. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the story behind equity?
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here this morning. Um, Yeah, the journey of equity has been a really exciting one for me. Equity has always been something I've been passionate about. And as I went through my career in HR and worked my way up to the executive level, it wasn't until I got more senior that I understood or saw the effects and the impacts of gender bias, particularly to myself. So working in HR, you're in a unique position where you can see a lot of things behind the scenes Um, and I could see gender pay gaps and how they played out in a business. And I got really interested in, as a business, how we can help and support, make it a bit easier to take steps forward to correct them. Um, But also I realised in practice it was a lot more difficult because there's a whole ecosystem that sits around gender, um, gender bias and gender pay gaps. And so for a company to make progress or take steps forward, it was a lot more difficult than what one would expect. Now, there's a couple of bits to that. One is understanding um, your data. um, And that takes a lot of time to process through and understand particularly what gender pay gaps are and where they sit in the business but then also how to move forward when you become aware of that and some steps that you can take to change it. So starting equity was a confluence of a few things. Um, I'd say my personal experience um, and then also some of the frustration when I was leading HR teams around how to make easy progress forward which for something that
0: isn't that easy to tackle. Amazing because obviously this issue has existed for a long time, and the we're st- we you know we we don't seem to be getting anywhere, um, yep. or at least no, no, we don't. We seem to get anywhere fast. Um, and the federal government has obviously recently passed changes to the workplace gender equality amendment, the closing the gender pay cap bill. Um, can you please talk to us about what these changes are and what it means for businesses?
1: Yeah, and you're exactly right to your point there. Um, Our progress in Australia has been stagnant at best um, and going backwards on some front, which is really crazy to think that that's the case. Um, I get a lot of people when I talk about gender pay gaps, they're quite stunned by those stats. Um, Globally, Australia ranks 43 in terms of our gender progress. Um, and there was a recent study with King's College in London that looked at six developed nations um, and Australia unfortunately came last Um, and that's because whilst we're great at collecting data on gender we're not great at taking action and moving forward. Um, So I think where the government are coming from with the new legislation um, which means basically from early 2024 they'll be publishing and making public um, gender pay gaps for companies who report to the WGEA. Now, those that are required to report are any company that has over 100 people. Um, So it's going to be a big shift in how we're approaching or tackling the issue. Uh, The UK introduced similar legislation about four or five years ago, and they're seeing great results. And I think that's why Australia's tried to move in that direction. Uh, And what we're hoping to see from that is a reduction in the gender pay gaps across Australia. Now, there's two figures that come to mind when you talk about this. Um, The ABS figure is 13.3% of a gender pay gap. Um, But the figure I normally talk to is the 22.7% gender pay gap. And the reason I talk to that is because that's full-time, part-time and casual. And we all understand that uh, women need more flexibility in the workplace. So the majority of the part-time and casual workforce is made up of women. So our gender pay gap in Australia is 227 which isn't something that we should be proud of at the moment and why
0: the government's intervening. No. And isn't that fascinating that we don't actually look at that whole the breadth of employment status. And probably Mm -hmm. because it's not a pretty number, you're right. And in, you know, six developed nations, to be at the bottom Mm -hmm. is actually an absolute shocker, particularly as this issue has been, has been theoretically being addressed for a huge amount of time. so, and, and in, so, do you think the changes that the government are making will follow the UK and it will actually work? Um, and in terms of what you're doing with the companies that you're working with, what are those themes that are emerging and, and how are they performing in relation to gender equity?
1: Yeah, so it's a really interesting space. And this is um, when I talked briefly before about why I started equity for companies to understand the devil is in the detail when you talk about gender pay gaps. You can get your headline figure um, and that basically will tell you overall of average male and average women's salaries, what the gender pay gap is. But you need to really go and dig deep underneath that, right, because there's all these different levels and different cohorts of employment groups right down to the role-by-role level. For any company, that's a significant amount of time. You can think if you have, you know, 500, 5,000, you know, 20,000, 30,000 employees, to have that information in real time takes a long time. To then actually do something about it is a whole another nother field. And that's why I think it, it, with equity, we're trying to make that really easy and saying, and, and in light of what that research was, Australia is great at compliance and gender equity, right? So we have a great data set, which is amazing amongst the best in the world but we're not actually taking steps after that. So what equity was poised to do was to move away from, take the, I call it the grunt work out of keeping, having to do manual calculations on gender pay gaps across all the different complexity of cohorts within the organisation, and then push clients into taking steps forward because there's a stack of research out there on gender equity, but to lift something in a commercial sense for a business to be able to just start moving forward with it is really challenging. An example of that might, be a gender equity strategy. Um, First step, do you have one? No. If you don't have one, where do you start? It's actually really challenging. So that's what we're trying to do is move away from having to manually do the numbers and focus on the path forward to create a gender ecosystem where women can thrive in business. Um, From the customers that we're working with at the moment, um, it's been so amazing to see the progress in platform um, of the um, clients we're working with. Um, We've seen some great gender pay gap reductions. So one of our clients has reduced their gender pay gap by 7% since being in the platform Mm -hmm. um, and they've increased their representation of women by 5% they can be really stubborn metrics. Um, so it's been amazing to see what people are, are doing. And when I have spoke to the clients about how this has happened or, you know, what do you think the impacts have been, and one of the biggest things that they're saying to me is that we're now aware of this. It's front of mind with all our decisions. So we've be, changed our behaviour and our decisions because we're now able to see everything in
0: real time and it's making us accountable. That's phenomenal. Now, I will say I've seen your platform and it is mind-boggling how much data you can process and deliver in such a simple way it's incredible um and when we look at what you can help deliver so you know what I'm hearing is people are aware of it you know we we know that it exists and we now we also have data for those that do and can get really granular we do have data we either have a sort of superficial number or the real granular detail yep when people are using your platform and they're taking on new staff. You're saying your um, existing clients are having incredible results. Is that because they can, you know, instead of just taking the overarching number, actually look at where are we putting this person within the organization and how is that going to genuinely affect the bottom line of the numbers in the detail rather than just the overarching total number? How does this all sort of work in reality?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were delighted. If uh, probably three or four months ago now, we built a new feature, um, pay gap predictor, and that was around. I, I was talking to so many companies and so many people about the problem, and everyone keeps pointing to, "Oh, fixing the problem, fixing the problem." And I stood back and thought about it one day. I said what if we moved away from trying to fix it and work towards preventing it from happening in the first place? And then when I got to thinking of how the technology could help with that, the predictor tool is um, amazing for that because what that does is before you make any decision, whether it's point of hire or whether it's promotion, you can run through the key details and the platform will do that analysis from you on a role-by-role level, on a department level, on a level within the organisation and your overall pay gap. So that's been one of the key features that people have really loved because it's a prevention instead
0: of trying to find the cure the whole time. So it's been really useful. And they can actually use that in terms of analysing where people already sit. So if they're looking at um, internal promotion, they can actually take those opportunities to create positive change absolutely yeah, absolutely and and have all the key data
1: inputs at the click of a button right in front of them because in big companies or even small companies getting data is tricky um, and it's hard to structure it in the way it needs to be to get to that level of detail and understanding um, so it just makes it really simple um, and then that's where you're actually changing i guess the mindsets and the behaviors within the organization because you're able
0: to at a click of a button see all this and understand the impact of actions yeah amazing i must say your platform was absolutely phenomenal when you showed me it um so in terms of your experience um let's you know i love that concept of prevention what are you what do you see as the main contributors to businesses creating or having a gender pay gap in the first place
1: yeah um there's a number Yeah, look, there's a number of different things and and a number of different ways it plays out for different businesses. Um, One of the first things is being clear on your REM strategy and understanding what your proposition is in terms of on coming into the organisation, what type of payers you are and understanding that. Um, Because really, if you get that approach right, it should be gender agnostic. Um, because you're clear on what your what your bands might be, you're clear on the strategy and how you approach it. Um, but that's just one, one impact of it. The other we find, and commonly why gender pay gaps exist, is around gender bias.
0: Um, and that
1: can be anything from even during a recruitment process, um, you know, asking candidates what they were on in their last role, creating kind of anchoring biases, or if they had another in- in a role that's moved out and just thinking that they just pay that. But that could be a systemic issue rolling through the business. Um, and then the other, um, other issues around it, whereas a lot of the research will say women um, maybe don't negotiate as hard on financial outcomes as men do. Um, And that can play into a a lot of the um, research points to they don't necessarily not negotiate, it's just on the non-monetary side of things. So they may have a family or have kids and they may need flexible work. So they see that as a benefit. Um, Whereas uh, men sometimes tend to go for the the bottom line or the financial um, side of it. So that's kind of how it kind of plays out all together. Um, and then just the valuing of women's work, I think is another layer on that as well. So there's all these dynamics. I call it the art and science um, because it, it's all good to have, you know, this is, this is the science behind it, but then all these dynamics are at play um, and that's why I call it the gender ecosystem and we need to be doing work consistently in all these areas to try and improve um, and, and move forward with taking action and making progress
0: yeah it's so true because i know even if we just look at what we do at trio with our parental leave journey um obviously we're gender neutral we 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 support all parents but typically it's women that are taking the largest period of time off work but they are often not you know not getting promoted they're coming back they're negotiating like exactly you say on the flexibility part rather than actually the salary or new opportunities you know we Mm -hmm. we do focus on different things and then we also know that the last statistic suggested that 30 percent of women leave the workforce within the first 12 months after returning from parental leave so you know companies can be doing all of this amazing work but they really need to focus on the whole spectrum of where the, yes. There are movements and metrics that are affecting their gender pay gap and their gender equity within the organisation. Because if you're losing thirty percent of your women that are going on parental leave over that over a you know a year after they return, most organizations just measure that one metric. And that's what you're saying. You know, they normally just measure that one high level broad metric and yep. work for that. But there's detail, you know, yep. likewise, if there's 30% of women leaving within the first year after returning and you're not monitoring that within that those first 12 months, you know, you you there's all of these spaces where it, that it's affecting your data mm-hmm. and, and the results.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the time, you're completely right. Those stats are buried in the business and and they're not coming up and they don't really fit in kind of standard KPIs or reporting metrics. So how do you really make it easy for companies to understand that and think differently about their approaches? And that's what I said. There's no silver bullet when it comes to solving for gender equity. But what we can do is try and make it a bit simple and create a language and a culture around equity.
0: And I think that's where we're going to see the biggest change moving forward. I would hope so. And just my final question is around this. I I would imagine that the new legislation is creating a a number of headaches for companies of all sizes, particularly, I mean, from 100 up, they're not the hugest of companies in terms of having massive teams within HR or payroll to deal with all this. So what can organizations do to best prepare for the changes? What advice do you have to offer for the HR community that will be listening to this? in relation to their role and what they can do to deal with these, these yeah. changes that are coming?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think, um, and from talking to a lot of businesses about this, there's different levels of um, concern about it. Um, so one of the biggest things is I think people need to be clear on their data now. Um, So basically everyone who is reporting has gone through their recent WGA reporting um, and you should have an understanding of your top line figures. Um, So I'd be looking into them. And again, the devil's in the detail, right? So if you have a high gender pay gap at the top line, what does that mean then throughout your business and how does that actually play out? Um, Because by default of having a male CEO, Um, When with those pay gaps, you you will have a higher gender pay gap. Um, Now, the way the WGA are going to do it is I understand from year one, it's um, the data sets are going to be potentially excluding the CEO, depending on what that company's submitted. Um, But from the year after, it is going to include the CEOs. Um, So moving forward from there, I'd be thinking around what is your comm strategy around it? Um, So if you have a high headline figure, you know, how are you communicating this to your employees? because they're going to be able to see it, to your prospective um, new talent coming into the business, because they're going to see it, to your stakeholders, to your shareholders. And just being really clear on that, because it's uncharted waters. Australia has never had to deal with this before, and nor have companies. Um, I don't know of too many companies who uh, broadly communicate their gender pay gap. No. Um, so no, so there's a lot to get ready for that I think people haven't really considered the the detail of what what that actually means. The other thing I think as well, um, what we saw in the UK when this came out was International Women's Day every year when um, they actually, any company who posted, oh, it's International Women's Day and had, you know, great photos of cupcakes and, and women standing around, oh, we're great with our gender equity. Um, because they've had to publish, the media created a, this bot Um, And it went and actually got their gender pay gap and said, oh, well done, so-and-so, great photo, love the cupcakes, but your gender pay gap's 30%. What are you doing about it? So, yeah, so I think in Australia as well, there is going to be um, significant media interest in this. um, And that's why I say to everyone, get ready now, understand what your headline figure is, understand what your comms plan is around it and then start doing something about it, start making progress because we've got, you know, roughly six months between now and then and if that figure was high when you submitted it, well, what, what are your plans and what have you done between now and then? Because I think um, people will be a bit more forgiving if they know you're trying to rectify it and everyone's trying to rectify it. Um, that, um, that's what people are going to want to see and, and the big thing I see is from your employee groups um but then also talent getting attracted to your business um that's going to be really fascinating to see when they can actually see this and whether they um, do or don't want to work for your
0: business yeah it's going to be fascinating because we have been trying to tackle this problem for a long long time so it you know it's almost like are we just paying lip service to it and not actually taking any any real action um, because there's only so long that people can pay lip service to yes, we're doing something here's our strategy we're doing something about it. and then you know two three years down the line, actually the dial isn't moving the needle's not moving um yeah. and we are in a you know a, a global talent shortage. so this mm-hmm. is this will be one of those metrics where particularly women will be looking for well who do I want to work for mm-hmm. you know, where you know if I am I going to stay where I am or if I'm moving, where am I going to so it's Uh it's going to be hugely interesting in terms of how people use it as part of their EVP
1: Massively. I think that's going to be one of the biggest shifts that you see because we've seen for many years um, a lot of, you know, um, oh, we're doing great with gender equity because we have a policy here, we have a strategy here. Well, that's nothing to do with your gender pay gap and your representation of women across the business. So it's going to, it's a completely different approach to um, how it's ever been viewed and assessed before. So it is going to be really fascinating. And for the first time, people, are going to have transparency, and are, they're already able to choose who, where, and how they want to work, um, and that's going to add another dynamic to that.
0: Yeah, it's super exciting. It's a, <laughs> it's certainly a positive move in terms of a legislation that's coming um, into play. Um, you're well poised to be able to support all of these companies um, with the, you know, your platform. It is incredible the amount of time it's going to save it a headache is phenomenal so I do urge anyone that's listening um to reach out to you get an get a demo I know you do consulting work to help people because it is mind-boggling in terms of what people actually need to do um yeah. So thank you, Natalie, so much for joining me. Um, It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and uh, love your work and keep up the great work as well. (laughs) Thank you for listening. To find out more about how Trio can support your people, visit trio.com.